0: Robert, I, I know that's an original composition by Kirk. Yeah. Are the words also something he wrote, those extra, those extra words? Yeah, the extra words. Those are, yeah, so like that. Kirk Branch, yeah. our pianist, actually rearranged this old hymn. And uh, that's, that's great work. Thank you, Kirk. Hey, did you notice the empty spots up here, David? I wanted them to notice that. Did you all notice that we got some extra room up here if anybody wants to join the choir. We got some some extra spaces here. By the way, choir, (laughs) as you're departing, we want to say thank you. This is uh, National Choir Recognition Week, so we're grateful for you. We thank God for you. And we do want you to be part of the choir. If you can sing, raise your voice to the Lord and help us lead in worship by being part of our choir. Grace is so important. I hope that you're walking in grace today. I hope that in this new year, the old regrets, dismays, failures, and shortcomings of the past, you just leave behind and shed like an old snakeskin, all right? And you come into this new year not bringing all that baggage, all that guilt and shame. Just don't carry it into the new year. You don't need it. Let her go. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Amen? Amen. To deliver you from having to carry that around so just leave it behind in this new year don't bring that guilt and shame in it instead walk with me over the next few weeks as we examine the interactions of Jesus how he relates to people how he calls his disciples how he intentionally builds his social network And say to the Lord, in this new year, I want to follow Christ in my social networking, too. Because that's what we're trying to unpack. This is a series called Social Networking. Join the good news conversation. And you can join the good news conversation in very natural ways as you follow Jesus into the workplace, into the school, into the family, and the environment where you live. Now, last week... We talked about logging on to learn and said that, according to Jesus, at age 12, he was in his culture, in his community, in his social setting as a learner. I don't want us to forget that. We don't have to come to our culture haughty, proud, arrogant, thinking we're know-it-alls. We don't know it all. We can be learners in our world. In fact, it's very important to be a lifelong learner. Come into the culture uh, listening, asking questions, and seeking to understand. That is how Jesus presented himself to the teachers that one day he would castigate for their unbelief. That's how he presented himself in the temple, which one day he would say, You've made a den of thieves! Not everything was perfect, for sure, about this setting where Jesus' twelve sat down to learn. And yet he knew, despite all the shortcomings and failures that were going on, he could learn. Sometimes we fault the church. Indeed, we must, because the church is a human institution, and it has lots of shortcomings. And sometimes we look at the glaring shortcomings of the church and church leadership, and we say, well, I can't learn anything there. Well, that'd be true. Except we got this book. And this is where we go Sunday by Sunday and day by day. So I as an imperfect human open the book now to share with you as another pilgrim on a journey what the book says. And we're going to Matthew chapter 3 to read a familiar text. And what I want to do today is encourage you to set up your profile. Three people set up their profile in part this morning in baptism. Baptism is identifying, identifying yourself. And I want you to look at verse 13 of Matthew 3, if you have your Bibles. We're going to look at two premier events in the life of Jesus as he begins his ministry, before he goes out into the world, before he calls his disciples, before he preaches, before he does the healing campaigns, before any of that, we're going to look at two events that initiate his ministry when he's 29 or 30 years old. And the first is baptism. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. In him I am well pleased. The announcement of the pleasure of the Father in Jesus of Nazareth His only begotten Son comes at His baptism. Now, Jesus does not need to be forgiven. He's perfect. It is a core tenet of our faith, our understanding of Scripture, the world and the universe. There's one human who lived perfectly on this planet. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. He was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. And in a minute, we're going to look at three of the temptations that came to him and come to us. But he was perfect. So when he went down under that water, it was not a picture of his sin being washed away. So what is he doing being baptized? He is clarifying identifying with the work of God in the world. It is an exercise in identity for him to come into the waters of baptism. He is saying, I belong to God. I'm seeking to do his work. I want to do what's right in His eyes. I want to please Him with my life. That's what baptism meant for Jesus. He was identifying with the work of God in the world. Number two, He was expressing His solidarity with us. The humble Lord Jesus... Startles us over and over again. Even at his birth in Bethlehem laid in a manger. And we think, Lord, is this any kind of royal entrance into the world? And now he goes into the muddy Jordan River. I've been there. It's just a river with a muddy bottom and your feet squish up in the soil and the Son of God goes down into the river and He is baptized. He is submitting to baptism by John the Baptist. Why? Because He wants to identify with all the people who are seeking to follow God. He is one with them. I'm one of you. Jesus is saying, those who seek to please the Father and do what is right, I'm with you. And he is announcing, third thing, as he goes into the water. He is announcing that he is with the Father. He is announcing that he is on mission in the world. He is announcing the beginning of his ministry. He will go from these shores, from this Jordan River, into his preaching campaigns, his healing campaigns, the work that he will do. It is initiated here, so it is an announcement. And for us, that's what baptism is. So set up your profile. Baptism is first for us. Forgiveness. It is a picture of the cleansing of our sin. That water can't save you. It just comes out of the tap. All right? It's not holy water. It's a picture. It's a demonstration. It's a drama of what Jesus Christ does for you when you cry out to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sin. And he washes you white as snow. If you've never experienced being white as snow, knowing it on the inside, you got to. You got to come to Jesus. There's no other place to go. There's no other place on the planet or in human thought or religion where you can experience absolute clean on the inside, except with Jesus. He came to take away the sin of the world and to take away your sin. You got to go there. You've got to get in that spot. You can't miss this. It's a moment for you to walk into the light, into the bright spotlight of forgiveness and know that when God shines his light on you, there's not a single black spot on your heart. say, how can I get that way? Jesus makes you that way. Molly said, why do we wear these white robes? Molly was the shorter one that got baptized a minute ago. I said, well, in part, white symbolizes forgiveness. That we're clean of heart, clean of soul. It's important to set up your profile this way. I mean, how do you want to be known? What, are your, what do you want your self-identity to be? I'm the person who carries a grudge. I'm the person who lives with regret. I'm the person who's discouraged about me. I'm on my case all the time. I live under the cloud. Is that how you want to be? Set up your profile with forgiveness. Live in the bright light of forgiveness. It'll lift your chin up. It'll straighten your shoulders. It'll straighten your back. You'll walk into 2012 very boldly knowing that God has forgiven you because the accuser wants to condemn you today and every day. You come out of this baptistry dripping wet, and in just a little while you mess up, and you think, well, baptism didn't help me. And the accuser says, see, you're no different than you used to be. He is the accuser of the brethren. This has got to be part of your profile. I am forgiven. I live in forgiveness every day. I enjoy its benefits. All that Jesus bought for me at Calvary, I embrace it. And like Luther said, I live boldly because I know forgiveness. I know it's truth. I embrace it. Set up your profile with forgiveness, with identity. Identifying yourself as a follower of Christ in your world. When people think of you, whether at work or in the family or school, whatever, they ought to think, now there's somebody who's really seeking to follow Jesus. It ought to come out in the relationships that you have. As you go out into your world, it ought to start being evident. Hey, what's going on here? How do you make these decisions and why? Why are you resisting this? Why aren't you going with us? Uh, What's what's going on with you? Don't you ever have any fun? I mean, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to say, Look, I I love being with you guys, but I'm just not going to go do that. Well, why? Because I'm a follower of Jesus. That's why. The door's going to be open over and over again. So identify with the Lord Jesus. Now, some of you are resisting baptism. You don't want to do it. You think it's kid stuff. Babies get baptized. Children get baptized. But not you. You're a mature adult. And it's a little bit of a, well, it's just kind of a wet experience. And you just don't want to go there. Now, the Holy Spirit's going to put his finger on your heart right now. Jesus was 30, and he was perfect, and he went into the waters of baptism. Why? To do everything that was right. Why? To please the Father. That's why he did it. You now have the opportunity to set your profile in this world. Who are you going to be? The person who resists what Jesus clearly commanded... The person who says no to the most fundamental ordinance of the church of Jesus Christ, is that who you're going to be? How will that affect you in the world? If you have truly received Christ as Savior, then Jesus said, make disciples, baptize them. The Scripture says, be saved and be baptized. Sometimes in the Baptist church, because we will not say and will never say that baptism saves you. We get the idea that it's optional. Oh, I'm already saved. I'm already going to heaven. Why do I need to get in that tank and get wet? It's because you're setting up your profile. You're establishing who you are. You're declaring the forgiveness of God. You're identifying with the Lord Jesus as you were baptized. You're expressing solidarity with his church. For some, that's the rub. I don't want to be baptized because, you know, I have my own independent religion, really. I'm, I'm making it up as I go along. And I kind of like that church and what the guy says. But, but I'm not going to be baptized because that steals my independence, you know. I'm becoming part of this group. And that group's not perfect, and that's for sure. (laughs) We're not perfect, or we stopped being perfect when I got in here, okay? And so you're saying, I just don't sure I want to be identified with anybody. I'm out here on the periphery, you know. I have this independent stance that I take. Hey, watch out that you're not sitting in the seat of scoffers. You know how a scoffer is. He doesn't do anything. He just sits over here and kind of picks at stuff that people do. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I urge you, as a serious, committed follower of Jesus Christ, you follow through with believer's baptism. You follow through because it's obedience. It's obeying the Lord Jesus, whom you say you serve. You call him Lord Jesus, and he said, be baptized. So you follow through and obey and express your solidarity with the people of God. And it's okay to join forces. How are you going to change the world out there all on your own? This church is serious about making an impact in the community of which we are a part. We are seeking every day to carry in practical ways the good news of Jesus Christ to people in need. People who are ready to hear, to declare his presence in the world. To help even our leaders understand this. That God is active in the world and we're here helping and we, we want you to join with us. And you would be welcome. Don't stand at the side, while the church of Jesus Christ goes on without your full input and participation. You're not going to find a perfect church. But you can find one that's serious, that loves Jesus and is centered on him and preaches his word and is serious about trying to carry the gospel to its community. Set up your profile with baptism. If you get out there in the world and you start acting like you don't belong to Jesus, think about when you were baptized. When Faye prayed just a minute ago, our children's minister prayed for the three candidates, she said, Lord, help them remember this all their life. Jesus knew when he said be baptized, it was going to be memorable. I mean, getting dunked by somebody before a lot of people is just a memorable event. He knew it'd be memorable. He wanted you to remember it. He knew it was going to be messy and wet. Because he wanted you to remember it. So it's stick in your mind. Identify with Jesus. I am with his life and in his church. And I am announcing who I am to the world. Don't go out there in the world letting the culture, the community, and the society tell you who you are. Don't don't get your identity out there somewhere. Find your identity in the Father who created you, who loves you, in the Son who gave His life for you, in the Spirit who seeks to infill you and empower you. Find your identity in Christ. Set up your profile. Now, as soon as you start down this trail of identifying with Jesus and identifying with His church and announcing your commitment and that Jesus is Lord and that you have trusted Him. The same thing's going to happen to you that happened to Jesus. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus... This happens right after the baptism. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert To be tempted by the devil. Yes, you heard that right. He was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. That's going to happen to you. You're going to be tempted. After 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. No wonder. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. This is your first temptation. Feed your appetites. Feed your appetites. What you got going on here in prayer and fasting with God, that's not as important as feeding your appetites. Goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Hey, this looks like a good apple. Good fruit. Good to taste. Good to eat. Probably make us wiser. Let's go ahead and eat it. Those appetites, those appetites of the flesh, they're the first place the tempter wants to trip you up. You get out there in the world. And the tempter comes and he says, why don't you feed that appetite? And you know it's wrong. And you do it anyway. And now you don't know who you are. You feed your appetite, you knew it was wrong. And now you don't know who you are. You walk away from the experience feeling kind of dirty. And a little confused because you were baptized. You said you believed in Jesus. You're going to follow him. You made the commitment. You made the announcement, and now you're following your appetites, and it it trips you up. That's why John the Apostle said here's how you know that you know him. Here's how you keep the confidence of your identity if you keep his commandments. If you keep his commandments. You know, the flesh has that craving. And it wants to be fed. And sometimes it is clear. It is absolutely outside of the will of God. So what does Jesus do? Verse 4. Jesus answered, It is written... Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, God is going to clarify and refine your identity in the world through the temptation that comes your way. And as you resist temptation and say no to feeding your appetite, You're going to know even more fully and completely and precisely who you are in the world. It'll come even clearer, even into sharper focus as you say no to the temptation that comes your way. Why? Because, Because life is not just about appetites. It's not just about food and clothes and stuff. It's about the Word of God. It's about being focused in Him. It's about having no other gods before me. You fill your mind and heart with the Word of God. I just mentioned the scoffer. Don't sit in the seat of the scoffer. But instead, blessed is the man who meditates in the Word of God day and night. Who lives the Word, breathes the Word, walks the Word. That man is blessed. He's enriched. He's in touch with heaven. He lives in a different way. That's what the blessedness is all about. He's really blessed. Why? Because he knows life is not just about your appetites. It's about the word of God. First temptation is feed your appetites. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written... He will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's a clever devil, isn't it? Jesus quotes the Bible in the first temptation, feed your appetites. So in the second temptation, he says, look, go up on the pinnacle of the temple, throw yourself down. I mean, God says, I'll watch over you and the angels will take care of you so you won't strike your foot against... He quotes the Bible to him. That's going to happen to you too. There are ways for you to find in the text excuses for what you want to do. Now, what if Jesus were to go to the highest point on the temple and throw himself off with the hope and expectation that the angels would catch him? Why would he do that? The same reason that you say sometimes to God, look, God, if you're really there... If you're really listening would you please do this if you really love me will you answer this one prayer it's an act of fear and that's the second temptation the second temptation is to feed your fears your doubt your unbelief To make God prove himself to you every day and every way over and over again. And those of you who have walked down this road who have been trying to throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple and see if the angels would catch you, you know that if they do this time, you got to do it tomorrow to see if they're still there. No sign is enough. No proof is truly convincing. And so you live your life with the suspicion. That God may watch over others, but he's not watching over you. That you're not one of his favorites somehow. He's turned his back. He's looked the other way. Always wanting proof. God demonstrated his love for you in this. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. That's all the proof you need of the love and concern and care of God for you. Jesus said, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. I'm astonished at how often we approach life in ingratitude. We're just not grateful. We're not thankful. Instead, we're resentful, jealous, envious, and bitter. Because other people got a better deal than we did somehow in this life. And we get focused on what other people are doing instead of what God has done for us. Giving us the breath we breathe and the heart that beats in our chest and every good and perfect thing that comes down from Him. And so we ought to live every day in 2012 in gratitude for what He's done. The ungrateful spirit may be the most fundamental indication that you have departed from your walk with God. That somehow in the course of your life, you have disconnected from the one who created you, loves you, and saves you by His grace. The ungrateful spirit, the bitter spirit, the ingratitude, the envy, the jealousy that creeps in. It is an indicator that you have distanced yourself from the one who loved you when you were a sinner and hung up on the cross for you even when you were going your own way. The temptations that refine your identity, that help you really understand who you are, are feed your appetites. Feed your fears. And then the third temptation again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus, don't you know, you've picked a course. That is full of trouble and heartache and suffering. You don't need to go that route. I'm going to take you right to the spot where you need to be. In charge of all the kingdoms of the earth. Man, you're going to be on the throne. You're going to have all the power. Think of all the good stuff you can do when you get there. It's the third temptation. The first is feed your appetites. The second is feed your fears. And the third is, feed your ego. I mean, you really deserve it anyway. It's who you really are, the man in charge. You're not the one who does the serving. You're the one who gives the orders. Jesus, you don't need to live in the world like a servant. What were you thinking? You can be the king. This temptation never goes away. It didn't for Jesus. He walked with those disciples for an extended period of time. And then he started talking about the suffering and death which was coming his way. And Peter, his most trusted friend, takes him aside and said, Don't you talk like that anymore. What are you doing? Suffering and death. You're the Messiah, man. You're the king. You're the son of David. That's who you are. The third temptation is another way to be in the world. Get your own first. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. Somebody's got to be on top of the pile. Why not you? It's the alternative to being the Messiah, the anointed one, who comes into the world to lay down his life. As the alternative, you can be the one who knocks down the other guy and is the last man standing. Somebody's going down, but it's not going to be you. Every Christian has this temptation to suppose that because you have trusted in Jesus, all pain and sorrow should depart from your life and you should be successful in everything you do and you should never have any financial difficulties. In fact, if you find the right preacher... You're probably going to find him promising you that all the worldly goods you want to have, you can have if you just have enough faith and write him a big enough check. It's called the prosperity gospel. And I understand, folks, that if you are a faithful servant of Jesus Christ and you live out the kind of character God wants you to in the world, your courage, your conviction, your determination, your loyalty and your love. May help you do very well in the world. In fact, that's what the Proverbs are all about. I understand that. But they're Proverbs, man. The Messiah that died naked on a cross never promised you that you wouldn't also. And what kind of arrogance has crept into your life that... You think you deserve better than what your Lord Jesus got. Did you not hear him when he was on the way to die telling his disciples, if they did this in a green tree, what would they do in a dry? That is, if they do this to me, think of what they're going to do to you. Now you're listening to a preacher. Who promises you not that everything you touch will turn to gold. But if you live faithfully, the life Jesus Christ has called you to live, you will suffer persecution. It's coming your way. In this world, you will have tribulation. But, be of good cheer, Jesus said. What? I have overcome the world. The Messiah who walked the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering, is not promising you a life of ease and roses. And if when you get into the trouble, you start looking toward heaven with an accusing look in your eye, you have missed the point. You too are a servant in the world where your Lord was also a servant. He laid down His life in the most difficult kind of way and He calls on you. Now do the same. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son To be the satisfaction for our sin. Christ laid his life down, John says, giving us an example that we should also do the same. I'm not under any illusion that everybody consents to this kind of life. some people bow the knee to the golden image and they really believe the one who dies with the most toys wins so that's my life that's what I wanna do I wanna be rich I wanna have it all I wanna feed those appetites. that's what life is about I know there are people who believe that but not Jesus you wanna follow him in this world he gives the answer right here worship the Lord your God and serve him alone that's the answer feed your appetites the devil says and you say that's not what life is all about it's the word of God my center is consumed with a focus on Christ feed your fears the devil says But you say, I'm not throwing myself off a cliff so God can prove He loves me. By faith I already know He loves me. And I'm anchored in His love every day. I'm not going to live in doubt and skepticism. I'm going to live in faith and confidence in the God who called me. Feed your ego, the devil says. You can sit on top All you got to do is bend the rules. Everybody else does it. Sacrifice your principles. Compromise your integrity. And you can get to the top. And the answer is, I have one consuming passion in my life. It is to be with my Lord in His death, in His burial and in His resurrection. Bow with me please. We always have a response time after we look at God's Word because the Holy Spirit often convicts us and points us in a way we need to go. Shows us the next step we need to take. It very often happens. Maybe it's happening to you and the Holy Spirit is indicating to you a next step you need to take. Whatever it might be, I would challenge you at the front end of this year to say yes to the Holy Spirit who prompts you. Follow as best you know how the Christ who died for you and live out His purpose and calling in the world. Here we are, God, just humans in need of you, in need of direction, better self-understanding, more courage, more understanding of who we are. By your Holy Spirit, guide our thoughts, our steps, today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.